Hello, everyone. Welcome along to SEN Summer Mornings. I'm Julian King, and it is great to have you along on SEN 1170am in Sydney and throughout the globe via the SEN app. The open line number, I'd love to hear from you today. Free call 1300 01 1170. And that text line 0457 736 736. Not great weather in the Emerald City, unfortunately. Max of 27 for Sydney today and more showers. Our Queensland listeners will join us in the second hour of the program. We've got a bumper show too. This is what is on the menu. So one more sleep, of course, till the first test against the Windies in Adelaide. We will speak to Peter Lawler from the Australian and SEN Cricket with all the latest. Brett Phillips will be along with an Australian Open update and uh, Robbie Slater's going to join us as well. There is so much happening in the world of football. Well, Steve Smith, I mean, he still looks like a kid, doesn't he? Even though he's sort of nudging his mid-30s now, you want to whack one of those hats on the top of his head with a propeller on it. You probably envisage him with a slingshot out the back of his pocket. He's like a kid in a candy store, embracing his new role at the top of the order with both hands. Malcolm Connor read in the Herald said he's already begun his new role as an opening batsman. He took the first delivery at training yesterday from Pat Cummins. But that's what you want, don't you? Put your hand up, say, I'll do it. Then Usman Kawaja, his opening partner, walked into an net alongside him, faced up to Mitchell Stark, also with a new ball. First test begins tomorrow. What was interesting too, because somebody asked the question, uh, who's going to field at first slip now that Warner's got? I thought maybe Steve might jump into first slip, but no, apparently Kawaja has slotted into first slip during training, suggesting that Uzi could be the man to fill the space between Carey and Smith. Really, really fascinating. And then Cameron Green, Smith's replacement at number four, had throwdowns and a side net from batting coach Michael DiVenuto. But what was interesting, even he himself, Cam Green, thought that he would be opening the batting. He would be the one to replace the retiring Warner at the top of the order. And he said, I had no idea until about Wednesday. And he's talking about this decision about him at number four, where he's had so much success for Western Australia, averaging 54 with a willow. And when they told him, he said he was just so excited when he heard the news. He said, I thought I was about 95% chance of opening. So that's where my head went for a couple of weeks. Because the selectors didn't say anything. Do you reckon they should have earlier? Or were they genuinely in two minds as to who was going to open? Because if they knew the whole time that it was going to be Smith, they should have told him earlier. So he doesn't burn all that mental energy. Cam Green, he was biding his time and he goes, oh, I might as well just get my skills up in case. Prepare like you normally would. But he's, he's happy, he's excited. This is his opportunity now, Cam Green. He's had a taste, to what, 20-odd tests now. He's young. He's got his whole career ahead of him. And they talk about him being a generational talent, a wonderful cricketer. He wants to bat for. It's his favourite spot. And reckons too, he says Cam Green will have more time to construct an innings than that was a case when he was batting behind Travis Head because Travis Head scores at a rate of knots, of course. And he came out and basically said, look, he felt a bit rushed at six, especially after Travis Head, who makes it look a bit too easy at number five. So he wants to have that time. I've always felt like I maybe had to push the game along where I feel like number four is my natural game where I can take my time and settle in. Well, he's got what he asked for now, Cam Green. So the next job for him is to seize this opportunity with both hands and cement his position as Australia's long-term number four. So if the contest most likely won't be there on the field, look, the the post-Warner era is now. It will be a fascinating watch. Smith in a new spot, Green in a new spot. I wish them well. I really wish them well. And isn't it funny, Davey Warner's caps never went missing. They were just in a smaller bag than first anticipated with the luggage all along. So there you go.
Well, it gave us something to talk about, didn't it? Got the attention of the Prime Minister. <laughs> all the news bulletins. Ah, I was there the whole time. It's like when the missus says, uh, darling, can you just get the uh, the tongs out of the second drawer, please? And I open it. They're not here. Yes, they are. They're not. Oh, look, they're not here. I'm telling you. Put out. They're not here. It's it's called domestic blindness. So help me God, if I come in and find those tongs, and then sure enough, she opens and they're right there in front of my eyes. But somehow I've missed it. But the caps are there all along. Sorry, Qantas. Sorry about that. Now, in the Big Bash, uh, the Hurricanes, I caught the end of this pretty entertaining game of cricket. Well done to the Hurricanes. They probably should have done more with their season than they did. They've salvaged a bit of pride at the end of another disappointing campaign. They held off the Stars by seven runs at the MCG. This was a dead rubber game, this final match of the tournament, because they can't qualify for the finals after the strikers sealed last spot in the top four with that win over the Thunder on the Sunday night. Bo Webster, 55 not Marcus Stoinis. He can hit a ball too, Marcus Stoinis. He's out of that ODI team. Cards aren't marked, according to Andrew McDonald, but when he's on, he's on. But I feel like we need haven't seen enough of it from Marcus Stoinis. He was 48. They looked a chance at one stage of pushing the Stars past Hobart's 8 for 187, but no, they fell seven runs short. Now, this is the game left. The only game left with any relevance is Scorchers and the Sixers. A huge, huge game tonight. So the Strikers will play... The winner of this game tonight, either the Scorchers or the Sixers. So we know, we reported yesterday, the Strikers, they've snapped our fourth spot. They're in the finals. And in the process, they knocked out the Stars, who again lost last night. So the only regular season match with any relevance is this game tonight between the Scorchers and the Sixers. The winner will take second spot. They'll earn themselves a double chance. We know the Heat have already locked up top spot. They're going to host the qualifier final on the Gold Coast after opening up an unassailable lead at the top of the standings. I'm really happy for the Heat, too. And that match, by the way, will take place at Heritage Bank Stadium instead of the Gabba because of the venue clash with the second test between Australia and the West Indies. 0457 736 736. Albo is a flog. We get one of those a day, don't we? Thank you, 097, for taking the time to, to write that in, sharing your thoughts about politics on the program. Now to tennis name, Osaka. Her return to Grand Slam tennis has ended with a straight sets defeat. The Demon progressed, probably not the way he would have wanted, but you know what? You'll bank it. He gets a bit of rest. He dropped the first set to Milos Rajnic, but eventually Milos, unfortunately for him, rather sadly, had to retire. Hurt and Osaka went down to the 16th seed, Caroline Garcia. Now, heartbreaking loss to Rinky Hijikata. He fought till the very end. I know Brett Phillips is a massive Rinky Hijikata fan. We'll speak to BP in the next hour of the program. He went down in five, oh, Rinky. He battled his backside off, and he eventually lost to the 24th seed, Jan Leonard Struff. And we'll go through, in more comprehensive fashion, all the tennis results and all the action from day two at the Australian Open. This was interesting, this article. I caught this on the Telegraph yesterday. So John McEnroe, I love McEnroe for a plethora of reasons, but he's come under a bit of fire, the super brat. He's calling for ESPN and for Channel 9. He's come under fire, John McEnroe, for his treatment of some players on commentary described as disrespect. He has been accused of being disrespectful to players by saying he doesn't know who they are. So there was a Belgian player. This has happened a few times. This is you, Bergs. The US college tennis champion, Tyson Kwiatkowski, posted on Twitter, insane to me that time and time and again, McEnroe goes in here and just admits he has zero clue who a player is. Ben Rothenberg, prominent tennis journalist joined that outrage, saying McEnroe was admitting that he was unprepared to his audience. 
John Millman, and we love Johnny Millman. Not the first occurrence of such criticism. Millman had his say on the matters back in 2023. How does he not know? He should know. That is literally his job. But you know what? They are right. They are right. Well done, a Storm Hunter. Uh, she was on court as we wrapped up the program yesterday, finally making the second round of her home slam after losing her five previous first-round matches. So she became the first Aussie woman Storm Hunter into the second round this year's tournament. Alexi Popperin set up a date with Novak. He beat countryman Mark Polmans. Jordan Thompson. Now, I want to touch upon this. You might have read about it, heard about it this morning. Bit of heartbreak for the local hopes. But there was a really bizarre moment. So Jordan Thompson had that great win over Rafa, the Brisbane International, as a scrapper. He has called Australian Open, the Australian Open, the wokest tournament ever. But it's over a new rule. So Tomo, he's used to supporting fans getting upset or getting up and about during his matches on home soil. But apparently Jordan Thompson was far from happy with the crowd after a new rule caused a delay. So he was up against fellow Aussie Alexander Vukic. He won in five. Thompson was ready to serve 3-1 up in the second set when fans continued to pour in a court three. Now, there's a new rule this year at the Australian Open that fans can enter stadiums between games, not just at the change of ends. But it's caused a few problems given there's a shorter break between normal games than at a change of ends. So it meant that Thompson was left standing around waiting for fans to find their seats. He got a bit upset about it. So he asked the umpire to sort out the tardy fans. He was left in disbelief after hearing about the rule change. He said, you're kidding me. Really? Oh, my God. This is the wokest tournament ever. It's just not smart. He added, after that game concluded, the umpire clarified the new rule. So he wasn't aware of this new rule, that fans can enter stadiums between games, not just at the change of ends. So it's a bit disruptive, but it is what it is. It's like, you know, in the cricket, you sort of the etiquette is you wait for the end of the over before you come back from the bar and take your seats. Look, I like Tomo. I like him. But as the great Mandy Patinkin, who played Inigo Montoya in the Princess Bride, said... You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yeah, I don't think the word woke applies in this instance, Jordan. But give me a call and I'll sort you out. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Now, I touched upon sort of the Ronald Ockman stuff yesterday. There's a little bit of a development in the Telegraph today. Fatima Kadu's got the story. So Clint Newton has urged the NRL to hold clubs accountable if any wrongdoing has occurred in this Volkman contract saga. And I really feel sorry for the young kid. His future's in limbo. But you've got to point the finger of Blaine squarely at his manager, Mario Tartak, do you not? He's without a club because his manager, you know, when you're swinging from the vines and you let go of one before you grab the other, that's what's happened in the Volkman case. Left without a contract at the Dragons, they walked away from a one-year deal. He's now preparing to have an operation to fix the same shoulder that needed surgery in 2022. Received a release from the final two years of his deal with the Warriors on December 24 to join the Dragons, who announced the signing before they'd registered his contract. Then he underwent the medical at the Dragons, revealed Volkman had a shoulder injury that would sideline him long-term, and they said, no, sorry. And they're saying, well, I don't think he fully disclosed the extent this shoulder injury. And they're saying, well, caveat emptor, buy beware. Anyway, the Dragons, quick to move after Volkman's release. They have snapped up North Sydney Bears utility Jesse Marshke, their top 30 squad. Uh, look, he's, a, he's halves depth because they've got none at the moment. Jesse Marshke played a bit for the Newtown Jets as well, I think. 
But anyway, Volkman, unique situation. It means he's not insured because he doesn't have a deal registered with the NRL. So the question now is, well, who's going to pay for his operation? Who's going to pay for his rehab? It just seems dreadfully unfair for him. So the RLPA now, they're looking into the matter to determine what injury protections are available to Volkman through the collective bargaining agreement. And Clinton Newton said, well, look, NRL clubs had an obligation to ensure unregistered players did not take the training field to protect them from injury while uninsured. And he did take the field to train the Dragons, but he had the yellow bib, so it was non-contact training because they were a bit concerned about his shoulder. So just getting a look at it. If there are breaches, people need to be accountable. Fair enough. Anyway, they're going to continue to investigate this Volkman situation. But to recap, the Dragons received a medical report from the Warriors that said that, yeah, okay, look, he sustained a contact injury in the middle of last month. Scans then ordered by the Dragons show that screws placed during the previous operation had been displaced. So Volkman left without an NRL deal. The Warriors, by the way, have paid out a portion of the remaining two years that he had on his deal with the club. This is the club that knew that he had a shoulder injury, played him. Anyway, he wasn't fit. He wasn't fit. I don't think the Warriors, I don't know, I'm speculating here, but I don't believe the Warriors let on the extent of his injury. And then they wiped their hands of it. Well, it's up to the Dragons. They played him last year with a bunk shoulder. His manager signed the data release before his registration with the Dragons. The Dragons, it's funny. No, 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 he's a bit of soreness, but he's okay. They identified the issue very, very quickly. How is it discovered so quickly? How is it only discovered now? I just, it's got a sniff of cover-up to me. It's a real sniff of cover-up to me. You know what it's like? I'll tell you what it's like. It's like they were selling a car, right? You sell a car, it's got to be an oil leak because you've done 250,000 clicks on the odometer. So you get under the car, you go down to super cheap auto, you buy a cheap can of degreaser, give it a once-over, <laughs> and the sump, all of a sudden, looks schmick, brand new. Then you flog off the car before the leak appears once more. That's what's happened in the Volkman case. 0457 736 736. Uh, the Bunnies, by the way, South Sydney have agreed to a new deal with hooker Peter Marmazoulis which is good news. He's extended his deal with the club until the end of 2027. He will be Damien Cook's successor. Good player, this kid. Very good player. Now, this news broke just as we came off air yesterday. A terribly sad news about the death of former Socceroos Stevie Labor. Tragic conclusion. He's 46 years young. He played, he's, well, he's found in bushland in the New South Wales north coast. He played 15 matches for the Socceroos. From 2000 to 2004, represented the Oliroos at the Sydney 2000 Olympics. He'd been visiting friends in Casuarina, went missing on Friday night. Reported missing Saturday morning, found, or his car rather, found at Cabarita shops later that morning. And then a large scale police search was conducted for the missing former footballer. His body was reportedly found at Bushland near Cabarita, 7pm on Sunday. It's just dreadful news. It was a bit of a journeyman career for Steve Lay, but good player. He had stints in Europe. Ruptured his Achilles in 2008. He was playing for the Newcastle Jets in the A-League at the time. He later came out as gay. It's a significant milestone for Australian men's football. Went on to work in the rehab unit at St Vincent's Hospital in Sydney. And then in 2021, and it speaks volumes about the man, he donated a kidney to a patient there who'd been on dialysis for three years. And you might have seen or read the text message, hey, it's um, Steve here from the hospital I could help you with a kidney, mate. No, give me a call. Selfless individual, you know, and it's just always heartbreaking when 
people and characters of that calibre, selfless calibre, leave this earth and shuffle off this mortal coil far too soon. So rest in peace, Stevie Labert, and we'll catch up with Robbie Slater later on in the program. The wildcard round continues in the NFL. I can give you an update at the moment. The Bills and the Steelers, one-way traffic at the moment. Buffalo 14, Steelers nil. Buffalo 14, Steelers nil. About 20 seconds left in that first quarter. And you've got to be happy, don't you, for the Detroit Lions. So we know the Cowboys are gone. Disappointment once more. But the Detroit Lions, they've, you know, forget about KC with Taylor Swift. They've got Eminem on board. So Detroit have ended the longest playoff drought in NFL history with a 24-23 win over LA. It's a nice little kind of sub-narratives in and around this game. The Lions had lost nine finals matches in a row since their last win in 1992. What about that? Talk about a drought breaker. And well done to Jared Goff, the former Rams quarterback. He earned a bit of revenge against his former club with a pretty composed performance. And, of course, on the other side of that was... Matthew Stafford, who himself was a Lion, I think, back in 2009. And, look, I did hear the Brecky crew reminiscing about wrestlers this morning, and I flicked a text to cope because as soon as I heard the old wrestlers, my ears pricked up big time. Randy Macho Man Savage, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat for the Intercontinental Belt, WrestleMania three. probably giving you a, a little window into my age now. Best wrestling match of all time, and I'll wrestle anyone that disagrees with me. It was an absolute beauty. It was what? Thank you, Tubuck Chuck. Yeah. And it was one, two by Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, by the way. And look, you know I love a walk down memory lane. So let's do this. Let's go back to the glory days of West Indies cricket. Let's return to a time when the Windies were a powerhouse in Test Match cricket. Give me some of your favourite West Indies cricketers and why. Who did you marvel at as a kid growing up? For me, the, I mean, the one I marvelled at was Curtly Ambrose. Just a freak of a quick bowler. Pace, bounce. And I remember vividly that spell of seven for one in Perth, 1993. It was just stunning. And I said, this guy is devastating. On traditional whack a wicket as well. I mean, that was a match made in heaven. Richie Richardson, wonderful player. I mean, Viv was great, but I kind of caught the back end of his career. I didn't see prime Viv. So I'll leave him out of the conversation. Patrick Patterson, demon fast bowler. But just, a, you know, a hell of a cricket team. So some of your favourite memories of West Indies cricket, maybe we witnessed them, maybe you saw them play. I mean, Brian Charles, one of the greatest I've seen ever. And speaking of Brian Charles, I've got a really interesting grab um, a few years ago when I was working on a cricket show with Ian Chappell. We got to interview Brian Lara, and I know he's on Sports Day the other day, but he sort of broke down a couple of reasons as for the, cl- the decline of West Indies cricket. Fascinating insight. I'll play that for you later on in the program. Uh, memory Lane. Your favourite West Indies cricketers, your favourite West Indies memories. McEnroe, is it disrespectful to not know who's playing? I say yes, it's his job. Ronald Vockman, anything else you want to talk about? The Australian Open, I am all ears. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. That is the open line number. And that text line, it is firing up as we speak. 0457 736 736. We are up and running this Tuesday, 16th of January. Jules in the chair for SEN Summer Mornings.